Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. Today in our studio, we have two guests who I count also as friends. People I've known for a long time. Our families have been interconnected for many years, and I am so thrilled to have them with us, not just though because they're my friends, but because of what God is doing in their lives and through them. Mark Fulton and his wife, Kathy Fulton. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, Jim. Good to be here. Thanks, Jim, for having us. And uh, I just have to disclose, Mark was my dentist here in central Indiana for many years, and I want you to know, Mark, my teeth are still holding together well. I've only lost one since you moved away, (laughs) which is why we're talking to you today, and that is you have moved from central Indiana, which you called home for many, many years, to Haiti setting up house there because of a call of God in your life. It's the most extraordinary tale. And when we come back, we want to share it with those who are listening to us today. Mark Fulton, you're a dentist. What could have possibly possessed you as a young man to think, I want to be a dentist and stare into people's mouths for a lifetime and, and put shots in their gums and drill down? I mean, come on. What is it about a job like that that drew you? People look at it as hurting people. No, it's actually helping people in the long run. Ah. So you have to look at it as the helping part, not the hurting part. So, Jim, I'm sorry you missed that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, truth be told, never had a better dentist than Mark Fulton, and you never hurt me too bad. But I'm hearing you say, seriously, you were drawn to the concept that I can train myself to help provide relief for people. That's true. And uh, you've loved it. Every job has its challenges, but uh, yes, in general, it's been a great profession uh, for myself and for my family. And you and your wife have raised up three outstanding children together and even have some grandkids, young though you may be. And along that journey, Kathy, you also developed a professional career, a speech pathologist, Mm -hmm. which I think also sounds a little bit challenging. I'm not sure I would have thought of myself ever doing that because you're, you're dealing with people who are struggling to articulate, to communicate. Mm-hmm. You worked in a public school system. What was it about that profession that drew you? Hmm. My undergrad degree was in business, and um, I did do that for four years. I was a systems analyst at Eli Lilly. Something was lacking, and I quit to stay home with kids. And while I was raising my children, I went to a career counselor. And he's the one who first suggested speech pathology. And I did some observations and decided that God was leading me in that direction. It was a very prayerful decision. Went back and got my master's, and I just love speech. But it's just kind of interesting that Mark and I both got stuck just looking in people's mouths. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of focused on those lips, so to speak. Oh, but wait a minute. Let's just also acknowledge, I think our listeners need to know, when you first started out as a young adult, is it true that you were a <laughs> Colts cheerleader for the Indianapolis Colts? Is that true? That is, that's true. That was my 15 minutes of fame. 15 minutes. <laughs> well, I have no doubt none finer ever on the field to cheer them on. But both of you have been drawn into vocations, essentially, that really interact with people up close and personal mm-hmm. and help them. And as you have done that, your lives have enriched so many others in this community that uh, I call home yet, and I know is still home for you at so many levels. Mm-hmm. And you have, along the way, been drawn to Haiti. So you're practicing dentistry, you're working in business, and then as a mom, and, and also as a pathologist in the schools. Along that journey, you are drawn to Haiti. You, you have a visit, an invitation to go. When you first went to Haiti, what were you looking for? Why would you go? We were initially not looking for anything, and actually we were invited to go by some friends on a committee where I served with the Church of God, 
And we were really quizzically drawn there and didn't really understand quite why. We didn't even know where Haiti was on a map. But we wanted to be open to what God was doing in our lives. And Kathy had been called to be pulled out of her comfort zone, as she had said. And I was, uh, I guess, interested more on a level of, that sounds interesting, but knew it was more of a spiritual journey or should be more than just a quizzical understanding of a different culture. So we continued on that path, and one by one, God opened doors for us, and the initial trip to Haiti became a reality. Uh, After that first trip, when we got back, we just stared at each other and said, this was not the end of something at the end of this week. This was the beginning of something. We didn't know where it would go, and God in his wisdom didn't show us the whole plan. (laughs) I don't think I could have absorbed what he had in in mind for us at that point in time, but uh, we knew we were on the beginning of a journey. And so that was way back in the early 1990s, I think. Correct. And so it's been a long journey. But as you observed, Kathy, it was the beginning of something, not just a self-contained moment, but it was the beginning of a lifetime of relationship and heart and caring and and calling to help people in Haiti. And so you've been back many times since then, and you led trips and medical teams, and a hospital was established, and all kinds of ministry was born by your hand. You've worked tirelessly on this side of the Caribbean shore in the United States to create platforms to help people resource work in Haiti and so on and so forth. And all of that brought you at last to a place where you felt like, you know, it's time for us not just to be in Haiti part-time, going back and forth, but to actually land there and pour our lives into the land and the ministry there differently than we ever could if we only had one address in Indiana. We'll move there. And that's been your journey this year. When we come back, we want to talk about some of those adventures and what you've discovered and, well, what God is doing, not just with you, but through you. Every journey needs a first step to start And every fire grows from a single spark A great symphony begins with just one note And one voice can give the whole world hope It's no impossible, nothing we can't face The tallest mountains are moved by the seat of faith Come together, don't you know that you're not alone We will rise up for the kingdom come Come together, 
If you're not sure where it is on a map, as Mark Fulton once was back in the early 90s, it shares an island with the Dominican Republic. It's in the Caribbean. It's a land that was colonized by the French, and consequently, unlike most of its neighbors, which speak Spanish, it speaks a Creole language, which is a kind of adaptation of French to native languages there. It's desperately poor, economically challenged, often referred to as as the most poor part of the Western Hemisphere. It's a place where people are bright and their smiles can just light up a sky, but where there is very little opportunity materially and where there's a darkness of spiritual voodoo. Voodoo. I've just said the word, and I think most people listening think voodoo. That's like a 1930s Lon Chaney movie, isn't it? Well, is that really real? Does that still exist? Uh, Mark, would you say that voodoo is still a live dynamic in Haitian culture? Unfortunately, I would say it's still alive and well in the Haitian culture at a level that it's difficult to understand given the parameters of our culture. If voodoo is still a present reality in Haiti, what are the results of that? How does it affect the way people in Haiti live? People are very spiritual in Haiti, and voodoo provides a platform for them to gain material possessions. Where in a land where material possessions are plenty, they can sign a contract with the devil, if you will, to gain material possessions for themselves and for their family. So because of that, it maintains a, a force. And through that, they maintain a relationship with the voodoo influx of the culture. And that really does have a lot of traction in Haiti today. And it stands in opposition to or as the antithesis of a relationship with Jesus, which answers life's heart cry differently and spiritually and eternally. And that's what's drawn you there. Well, not only from a spiritual standpoint of showing people that there is one true God, one true Son of God that is around us and around them everywhere, that there's hope for eternity not just a material gain for the, the short present time that we're on this earth. And so as you and Kathy have both settled in Haiti, you're at work helping to provide relief today with medicine and dentistry and the clinic and the hospital and things that have developed over time. You're doing that, but it's always within the frame of a Christian witness. Is that fair? We all have different tools that we use to serve Jesus Christ. Kathy uses her speech therapy as a tool. I happen to use dentistry, or as missionaries, we do anything from unplugged toilets to digging rocks or whatever. But those are all just different tools to present Jesus Christ. Kathy, my wife, who is your friend, believes that your reporting from Haiti since you've moved there in the last few months has been some of the most entertaining and inspiring <laughs> writing, blogging that she's read anytime, anywhere. Hmm. Your description of baking cookies, for instance, early on, <laughs> caused us just to howl, but also to think and reflect. 
What would you say is one of the greatest challenges of moving to a place like Haiti and just trying to start a new life, a new house, new relationships, given the differences of culture and landscape? I think some people are, like my husband, just naturally cut out to do something like this. He's a big adventurer and outdoorsy and has a lot of stamina, and he, he just he's not too upset by hot weather or bugs or you know all the things that might come with living in a different area or culture. I'm not wired like that. So many people have said to me, I can't believe you moved to Haiti. I could never do that. And I say right back, neither could I. <laughs> but, I mean, it's truly only by the grace of God that, that I could do something like this. And I'm not saying that Haiti is such a horrible place. It's a wonderful place. But there are many things that are very different than in my 53 years here in the States I'm not accustomed to. And so there's a lot of adjustment there. And uh, it's just by hanging on to God's hand that I can do these things. And I, I think what, what Maureen, your wife's referring to is um, I'm just real when I, when I report back because I'm just like anybody else. Um, there's nothing special or magical about my personality. I'm just a Hoosier girl that's been transported into a very different culture, uh, a different land, and I'm, I'm just hanging on to God's hand while we're going through this. And it would have to be said that it's just not easy. It's not just easy to do the kind of change that you've experienced, to live it and, and to find yourself not only in a new environment, but separated from your family and your friends and the ones you've held dear for so long. Mm-hmm. The question then rises, why? Why really would you pay a price like that? At this stage of your life, when many people are, are thinking about walking out the next chapter of their life in a kind of less challenging way, you're taking on the biggest challenge of a lifetime. I know that you're a student of the Word, and I know there's a passage in Scripture that kind of springs to life inside of you. Is that part of it, that verse from the Psalms? That's one I hang on to, yeah. I really do. It's Psalm 37.5. This is what it says. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. Mm -hmm. And some days I do a lot better about committing everything to the Lord than other days. Um, Sometimes I think I hand things over to Him and then grab them right back. But that's one that I really do hang on to because I think... Of all the difficulties that we've faced in the transition, the hardest thing is being apart from family and friends. That's tough. And Facebook and phones and and things that we have available now as compared with, say, 20 years ago has made it much easier. But it's still really difficult to be separated by distance from those you love. Mark, how about you? Why? Why are you doing this? Well, it makes absolutely no sense based upon the, the realities of the United States where fiscally we could as you mentioned, Jim, kind of lead this final stage of our life pretty easily and uh, walk out pretty easily and very comfortably. But uh, again, if not us, then whom? Who, who would do this work? God would raise up somebody else, but right now we feel it's important that we are the ones because God has called us. So if God has called us and we don't, I'd almost be afraid not to. I know, Mark, you have uh, mentioned in my hearing that you have a verse also that animates you. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, this is what it says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. And Jim, the turning from the selfish ways is a tough part for me because in, in some versions it says, put yourself aside. And myself tends to get in the way of, of ministry of my personal life so many times I have to learn over and over to put my selfish ways myself aside and then take up the cross and follow him 
and I learn it over and over, but I have to cling to that, that, Mark, it's not about you. It's about Christ. And having reference to scriptures, both of you, acknowledging that it's not easy work, and yet there's a twinkle in your eye. There's a smile. There's an energy. There's a life that you radiate. I'm telling you. I've known you a long time. And you've never been more alive than you are right now. What is it that said there must be some kind of reward or fulfillment or satisfaction that you find in taking the dare and, and doing something so dramatic, not for any cause except the Lord's, to help bless and to bring life to someone else. Is that fair? Are you finding experience now that is fresh and stretching, to be sure, but also life-giving? I said to Mark one time, I hope that we can bless others as much as God is blessing us. One story I think of and, and it's such a small thing, but, but right now I am a speech pathologist, but right now my main role is using that business background in an accounting venue. And um, one day I, I said to Mark, you know, I, I remembered to bring everything that I need to set up my office here in our Haiti home, but I forgot good, clean computer paper so I can print some receipts to some contributors and mail those out. And just the next day, we were in another town, and a, a couple came to us and said, you know, we just packed this semi full of stuff, and we felt like God laid it on our heart to pack this one ream of computer paper. Is this something that you could use? And it was such a small thing, but to me it said, Kathy, I know you have a behind-the-scenes role. It's, it seems small to you sometimes, but it's important, and I've got your back. And, and to walk so closely with him like that has been such a privilege. And I th- maybe that's the, the sparkle you see in our eyes is God's never been so real. It's my guess that when you find yourself in an environment so vastly different from what we're accustomed to walking in, you become dependent in fresh new ways mm-hmm. because you can't just run off to the office max or the office depot and pick up that room paper. Mm-hmm. In a way, we're dependent on God for things that we would take for granted at home. Yep. Our stuff gets in the way here in the environment with, in which we were raised. And we don't have stuff. Some of the, the baggage that is around us here in the United States isn't there. And so on those nights where we have no electricity and we're sitting there in the dark and we're depending upon each other and somehow you can feel God's presence in a way when you don't have the TV on and the, the latest sitcom or the latest news show is on in front of you. You're just there in God's presence and say, thanks God for those beautiful stars. I find that I would, I would miss that if I were here watching CNN or whatever newscast might be in front of me. Having given up some things, you've gained some things too. Mm-hmm. Gained more than we've given up. Mm-hmm. Well, listening to your talk and knowing you as I do, I'm going to ask a question to which I know the answer, but I think our listeners might benefit from just your reply. Would you say that you're in Haiti because you love Jesus? Oh, yes. That's the whole question? <laughs> That's the whole question. Absolutely. That's the, one of the easiest questions I've ever been asked. <laughs> Absolutely. And would it also be true to say you're in Haiti because you love the Haitians and long for them to have a better chance in this life? Our job is to give them hope for eternity, and that hope is through Jesus Christ. That's why we're there. And if you're listening to us today and you're thinking, whoa, there's a story. Are those people real? Absolutely they are. And is the Jesus that they love that has called them onto this great adventure real? Absolutely. People like Mark and Kathy Fulton would not be doing all of this if he weren't real, real to them. And he can be real to you also. You may not be called to Haiti. You may not be called to leave your neighborhood. You have no idea what the calling might be just now. But God has a calling for you too, for all of us. 
And all of us have a role to play in God's great good work to redeem this world. I want to encourage you to think about that for a minute. Think about what you have and what you might give up, what you might gain. Think about what it might be like if the Lord was truly your Lord and he spoke into your life and called you to take the dare. And think about how exciting and blessed your life might then become and how the world around you might be changed. You can take a step that way with us now by joining us in prayer. Father, we're so thankful today that you know every one of us by name, that none of us are here in this world by chance, and actually none of us are even engaged in this broadcast or listening today by chance, but by your appointment. Thank you for Mark and Kathy and for your hand on their lives and for their willingness to follow you even to the ends of the earth. We pray your blessing on them, your protection and your provision. And may their ministry in Haiti bear much good fruit and may many more lives find life in this world and the world to come because they are there representing you. And I pray for everyone else listening today, Lord, that we might all find such calling. Lord, we surrender our lives into your hands. We acknowledge that we alone are not enough and that we are not enough to cope with this broken world or to make much of a difference. But we also acknowledge, Lord, that when we surrender to you, you can make of us something greater and that with you, we have more than enough. I pray, Lord, that you will honor everyone who bows with us in prayer now. And before one week passes, may we all understand that you know us by name, that you have a plan for us, and that we might hear your voice. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the
if you'd like to know more about this Jesus who makes life and gives life and calls life out of us, give us a call. You can also give us a call if you'd like to know about how you might partner with Mark and Kathy and the great work that the Lord is doing through them in Haiti. For whatever reason, give us a call. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone. This is the number, toll free. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're always by the phone. If you'd prefer to check us out online, our web address is CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. We can provide a link for you there to learn more about the work in Haiti. And you can also send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you reach out to us by phone, online, or by post, let us hear from you this week. Mark and Kathy, always a privilege to be in your company. And even when I was in your dental chair, Mark, it was always good to see you come around the corner, but even better today in the studio. And we are so thankful for your work. Thanks for coming alongside. Thanks, Jim. Glad we could be here. Good to be here. And we thank you for tuning in also for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast. This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.